you get a GM job. You get a GM job. You get a GM job. Dave, everyone's getting an assistant general manager position with the Maple Leafs. You and I forgot to put our resumes in because we probably would have got one too. We'll touch on the new promotions within Leafs management. Also an update on the goalie coaching search. Rasmus Sandin's deal is becoming a little bit trickier than we initially thought. And perhaps that could lead to a Jake Muzzin trade. I think I have a team that could make some sense too. We'll discuss all that more on today's edition of Lockdown Leafs. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Leafs podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother on TSN's Overdrive and TSN 1050's Leafs Luncheon, also now a co-host on TSN 1050's First Up. Dave, did you hear me on the morning show this morning? I had to listen to it after the fact because, buddy, I love you. Cannot wake up at six o'clock in the morning. But how do you think I felt? Oh my goodness! I, for those who are morning people and like, I I respect those guys who have to get up at like four o'clock. They got the six p.m. shift work and they got to get in or six a.m. work. And they got to get up at four, beat the traffic and all that. I respect the hell out of you people because I could barely function when I had to wake up today at five thirty. And I'm sitting here still. It's four o'clock in the afternoon when we're recording this. I am dead tired, man. So let's hope that we can keep today's show on the rails. Because there's a lot to get into, Dave. Lots to get into. Um, we kind of teased it off the top that there have been a bunch of assistant general manager positions that have been thrown out there. It's like Kyle Dubas is Oprah Winfrey just giving everybody in the organization an, an AGM title. Uh, looks like we've got three plus, three members of the organization who have been promoted to assistant general manager, uh, Ryan Hardy, Dr. Haley Wickenheiser, as well as Daryl Metcalf, all promoted to be um, new assistant general managers for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Your thoughts? Yeah, I was just like, how many assistant general managers can, like, is, there's no, I guess. I thought it was just one, man. Like, I, I thought maybe two. We've, we've, we, the Leafs have only had two for the longest time. So is this like a Michael Scott thing? Is this like assistant to the general manager and you can have as many assistant to the general managers? Is that the, the situation here? Like, I, I really, because then what's Brandon Pridham? Is he not also an assistant general manager with this? He is. They or even, Gilman? Like, is Gilman still not with the club as, as an AGM? Well, the little, in, the, in the press release, they said that Brandon Pridham still maintains his role as pretty much he is the next in line beside uh, Brandon Pridham. Oh, so they, they said Brandon Pridham will continue in his role as the primary assistant general manager with the Leafs while Lawrence Gilman will now serve as governor and senior vice president of the Marlies. So I think pretty much Gilman is not handling anything when it comes to the Leafs, and he is just all Marlies. Right. So he's dealing with the minor leagues, the Marlies, and then Brandon Pridham is dealing with the pros, the cap. He's, he's, you know, he's the cap guru in Toronto. So it'll be interesting to see what Ryan Hardy, uh, Dr. Haley Wickenheiser, and Daryl Metcalf, what their, I guess, roles will be 
within the team. I know Ryan Hardy, you know, he was a big time scout. Um, you know, he came in from a development background. He's with the the uh, U.S. development program for years. He was the GM of Chicago Steel. He was brought in last year to be a development guy and, and, and you know, work with their scouting department. So he gets an AGM title. Haley Wickenheiser, who, you know, one of the, the greats of, of hockey, arguably, if not the top, the second next to um, – why am I blanking on her name? Holy cow. Who the golden goal? Who just scored the golden goal for number twenty nine? Oh, um, Ulan. Wow! Woo. So much for for you yeah. Know, we would have had our Canadian fired. passports rescinded if we could not remember her name. Well, anyways, those two top women's players, uh, you know, of all time, I would say, and you know, she's been part of the development staff for the Maple Leafs for a couple of years now. So we'll see if she, what you know more will come with the title. Uh, of AGM and then Daryl Metcalf also going to be uh, associated with the team as, as an assistant general manager capacity. And this is just very Maple Leafs at the end of the day, it really seems like they have so many resources and they believe that you can never have too many cooks in the kitchen. You can just have as many people, smart hockey people like Hardy, like Wickenheiser, Metcalf, you know, Lawrence Gilman, Brandon Pridham, Kyle Dubas, Brendan Shanahan. You have a whole nucleus of, of people here who all have different thoughts and hopefully, you know, all combined will come up with the right decisions to lead this team to the promised land. At least I'm guessing that's the the, the hope and the assumption by bringing all these people into the, the tight inner circle of management. Yeah, and I will say this, the Tampa Bay Lightning have three assistant general managers. So this isn't like the Leafs are the only team having a bunch of assistant general managers. It's oh, just now the least have five, have five. So. <laughs> That's five. It's just funny. I, I, because before, you know, two, it was like, okay, all right, two. And then when I saw, oh, there's now five general managers, all three of them promoted to AGM. It's like, doesn't that kind of take away from the, you know, the luster of being the assistant general manager. If three people get promoted to the same title on the same day in the same press release, Kind of takes a little bit from it if you're if you're one of these uh, one of these individuals, but um, you know I'm I'm sure they're happy to do it. Obviously, or they would not have accepted the position. There's also an update. Uh, they named a goalie coach as well. Curtis Sanford is going to be the goaltending coach or part of the goaltending um, system that they're going to try and set up here in Toronto. It seems like John Elkin. Uh, who has been with the team as well in a development capacity is also going to be part of this goalie development process. Uh, this, this, you know, thing that they're trying to build, I suppose, a department was the word I was looking for. But Curtis Sanford, uh, he's part of the Canucks organization for the last five seasons, mainly working with their their minor league system. So, you know, he you could say that he, over the course of the last five years, he is somewhat the guy that Vancouver has to thank for helping Thatcher Demko become, you know, the, the player that he became because his first couple of years pro when he was with Utica, it was Curtis Sanford who was helping usher him in uh, as, as a young pro into the, into the, the, uh, the AHL. And eventually he's gone on to have tremendous NHL success. So, you know, clearly a smart mind he's played uh, you know, he, he played the game at the NHL level and I'll always remember Curtis Sanford for one thing though. And it's unfortunately not anything that he has necessarily done. Curtis Sanford, this is a, a 
trivia answer for all of you out there one day. Curtis Sanford was the goaltender who had to go between the pipes during Roberto Luongo's poop gate. It was Curtis Sanford between the net. Yes. So that's what I always remember Curtis Sanford for. But, uh, hey, hopefully he can, you know, groom some goaltenders here in Toronto because it's been uh, a rather long time since they've been able to draft and develop any goaltender in, in, in within this organization. Yeah. And I think the Leafs have, and we talked about this well, you know, when Steve Breer left that this was a department, the Leafs needed, needed a shakeup because they have struggled to produce homegrown internal options for goaltending. So that, that falls on, doesn't really fall. You know, they, there probably are some good goalies in the system. It's just, maybe they're just not being, coach to their potential and it's and they're getting somebody who's had experience with that uh so and yeah you can't the canucks definitely are in a decent position when you consider you know how thatcher demko has gone from being you know the draft pick ahl to now a pretty good starter for them and they got other goalies in the pipeline there that so there's clearly something that impressed the Leafs about Curtis Sanford. And that's something uh, actually Chris Johnson wrote in his story the night before kind of alluding to Stanford being the one joining is that they were really impressed with what he had to bring to the table. Yeah. Spencer Martin, another player who uh, got his first crack at the NHL this year after being kind of a journeyman AHL type of player. And, you know, he's another Curtis Sanford guy, I guess, who, who he worked with in the minors this season. And then COVID hit Demko went down. Halak went down. And then I believe DiPietro was unavailable. So Spencer Martin kind of got the call up and had a fantastic couple of games um, in the, the, the small sample size that he played in the NHL, enough where it seems like they're going to make him the backup going forward alongside Thatcher Demko. So that's just another goalie that, uh, that Curtis Sanford worked with in the minors. And, you know, once he got his chance in the pros, you saw a pretty decent goaltender. So hopefully he can work the same magic with, you know, Joseph Wall, who's going to be, you know, battling, trying to become a goaltender for this team someday. Dryden McKay, the Hobie Baker Award winner that they signed to a contract uh, in the NCAA this past uh, offseason. So there's a couple of guys who they're going to hopefully turn into an NHL caliber goalie, whether they're going to be the next Thatcher Demko. I don't know. But you know, NHL caliber goaltenders. I'll take that because Toronto hasn't even developed that recently. So that would be a step up for the goalie department. All right. Uh, plenty more information that really came about uh, over the past couple of days here, Dave. We'll get into more of it. But before we get into it, watch all the good folks listening and watching on YouTube about one of today's show sponsors, and that's our pals over at Bill Bar. All right, folks, from the people who invented healthy and tasty comes the latest gift to your taste buds. You probably tried the amazing coconut brownie chunk built bar. Guess what? Friends at built bar have given coconut brownie chunk the puffs treatment. That's right. The coconut brownie chunk built bar flavor you love in a deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. It's like a fluffy cloud on coconut brownie goodness. But stop drooling. Listen here. They are good for you. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, protein, and all delicious. Coconut brownie chunk puffs are only here for a limited time, so make sure you go to built.com to make sure you don't miss out. 
They're going to go fast. They're amazing because they taste amazing. As we, I've, we've mentioned many times on the podcast, they are made with collagen proteins, which means your body absorbs more f- efficiently, and they also provide tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. Now, if you want to save a little bit of money when you try to order some stuff at Built.com, make sure you use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. So that is promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off at Built.com. Welcome back into the Locked on Leafs podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Morissuti. We are your hosts here at Locked on Leafs, a daily Maple Leaf-centric podcast in which you can find wherever you find your podcasts. Also up on YouTube and uh, we really appreciate it if you subscribe to the show still uh, you know 20% only 20% of our listenership are from subscribers which means 80% of y'all who are watching this right now on YouTube aren't subscribed that's crazy talk we are going to be going all off season all leaves all hockey and you're going to want to follow along make sure you subscribe to get that daily hockey fix while everybody else takes the off season off not us, not us. Me and Dave, 365, 365, my friends. So make sure you you hook us up with, uh, you know, hit that like button, also subscribe. That would be greatly, greatly appreciated. Um, some other Leafs, leafy news that I suppose we can get to, or I guess this is more, this is now, I guess the news part is over. Now it's time for somewhat speculation and some reporting that's been going on from some of the the insiders from around the NHL doing the old Mr. Burns. Ooh, what are we talking about here? Rumblings. We love those rumblings. <laughs> the rumblings. And it's funny. That's exactly what Pierre Lebrun's piece was called. It was it was called the rumblings and what he was hearing coming out of the NHL. And one of those was that uh, Marc-Andre Fleury would be open to coming to Toronto should he be, um, should both, you know, Toronto go after him and he would be open to at least listening. Whether that means that he would prefer to be in Toronto, obviously, we don't know about that. But we had a similar report last week about David Pagnotta, who said, you know, despite what was being said around the NHL trade deadline, Marc-Andre Fleury was also open to being dealt at that time. So Pierre Lebrun saying he's still open to being in Toronto should the, the right deal kind of come to fruition. And well, we saw Pittsburgh sign Casey DeSmith this year to a two-year deal um, today, actually, at $1.8 bucks, And I would be shocked, shocked, David, if they signed him to that type of deal to be their third goalie. So there's a lot of speculation that maybe Fleury goes back to Pittsburgh and be the, the one-two punch along with Tristan Jari. But after seeing DeSmith's contract, I just don't see it happening, my friend, which means that's one more name off the list. And one step closer to the Leafs of Mark Andre Fleury, potentially getting something done here. What do you think? Should he be the number one free agent target for Toronto this offseason? I'm leaning towards it actually, because I I think you need. It'd be nice to have. You know what you're gonna get with Mark Andre Fleury. I really do think you you know what you're gonna get. Now he can't be the sole. You can't say let's get Mark Andre Fleury and then goaltending is solved. I do think he's going to need another guy beside him because he is getting up there in age. He's not going to be able to do the workload that you saw even when he was in Vegas. You know, Vegas still had to get another goalie to work with him. I'm not saying they need to go out and get another starter like a Robin Leonard. I thought that was a little egregious when they did that. But I just think if you're looking for the least. a couple names that you're thinking, like a, a, 
So a couple names. Let me know if you if you have some others, but guys who would fit that mold. Yeah. A, a Thomas Grice. Yeah. A Yaro Halak. Could yeah. Potentially go after a Braden Holpe. Like those are three guys who are going to be on the open market for free agency that I think would fit the bill as as a pretty good and probably rather cheap backup um, if they do bring in Mark Andre Fury to play what I believe to be a forty five to fifty game season. I think his days of sixty games in a in a year are are long gone. But if he could come in and give you a solid fifty, and then you got you know a, a decent backup like a Thomas Grice or Braden Holpe or a Halak, you know guys who have been not a typical tandem like a 1A, 1B, but guys who have played more than the 20 or so games that you expect of a backup. In that case, you're expecting, as I guess, 30 games in a 50-30 split. I believe that those three names would make some sense. I do. Like You're thinking – you have to look at this as what's better than Peter Mrazek because that's essentially what you're trying to upgrade, right? Jack Campbell's leaving, so you have to find someone that's going to take his role. I think Marc-Andre Fleury would be good enough, considering Marc-Andre Fleury was not was not bad in Chicago, considering how bad Chicago was. Yeah. He went to Minnesota, and he was good in Minnesota. Really good. Um, you know, and then you look at, you know, Dallas has definitely got their goaltending set with Andre, and they brought back Wedgwood. So they took care of that. We know Holpe's gone there. He's and he's still probably going to want to play. Yeah, maybe there's a little bit of concerns about the injuries, but we're not asking him to be the one A guy. If you know, you can manage his minutes by playing him as kind of the one B guy. I'm, I I just think that there's you're not going to hit the elite goaltender. I I just don't think the Leafs are going to are at that posi- in that scenario where they can go and get one because unless you're moving out a significant contract. A five plus million dollars, and the Leafs haven't even talked price with Jack Campbell because I guarantee they know that Jack Campbell's probably looking for a deal upwards of five million dollars. Like, I don't know if you saw the latest. Apparently, he's no. looking between five and a half and six million. He's he's hoping to get something with a six in it, which is just crazy, crazy to me that he, uh, and, and anyone like, gives him that. Someone you might actually give them that because teams probably, are, probably will like somebody probably will. I just yeah. think it'd be insane. Oh, it would definitely be insane just because like that's Jacob Markstrom money. It is, and like I'm sorry, but if you're thinking that Jack Campbell is better than Jacob Markstrom, yeah, hi, son. <laughs> you are. <laughs> you are high as a kite, my friend. Honestly, yeah. like. If you really think about it, maybe the Leafs should have been on Jacob Markstrom when he was available. Dude, I was on this podcast three years ago, hooting and hollering, trade Freddie Anderson, go and get Jacob Markstrom. That would be the best move for them to make this offseason. That did not happen. They played it out with Freddie. He went to Calgary, and, well, we're sitting here now with no goaltender. Well, actually, we do. It's Peter Morazic. We're sitting here with Peter Morazic currently as the, the main goaltender that is still under contract with this team. That said, speaking of Peter Morazic, David, another little report that was made, this one was by James Myrtle in The Athletic. Apparently, he was writing that Morazic to Chicago was a lot closer than we initially thought at the deadline. I'm not sure if that meant the Marc-Andre Fleury deal was close or if they were also willing to take on Morazic for, you know, a sweetener um, in 
outside of the Marc-Andre Fleury deal, just taking on Mrazek as a whole. But if that's the case, I mean, Toronto's got to circle back there and see exactly what it would take to offload Mrazek if Chicago has any interest whatsoever. And the Blackhawks, I was thinking, they got no goalies right now. None. All of their goalies are UFAs. They don't have a single like NHL caliber netminder on their roster next season. Now they plan on sucking, and they're going to rebuild anyways. But at least if you could have a respectable goaltender in, in between the crease, like a Peter Mrazek who has NHL experience, and get a sweetener out of it, whether it's a pick or a prospect, I think that makes a lot of sense for Chicago. I think so. Like Chicago's looking not only to gain assets, but they got to get, they got to make sure that they can feel the team. Right. <laughs> and you also like some, some teams, like some goaltenders will may just go there just so they can have a job next year. And, you know, the thing about Chicago too, is you can be bad, but you can't be absolutely bottom feeders. Cause I don't think that fan base would accept it either. Like you kind of have to, Maybe. I, I mean, they might accept it because if they're that bad, right, they're... Rip off the Band-Aid almost? Well, they're bottoming out for Connor Bedard, right? Yeah, I mean, how, how well has that turned out for a lot? The only team really that's worked out for, like Montreal, they weren't really even really trying to bottom out until, like... It's the ones that... is a perfect yeah. example of a team that bottomed out and got lucky. The name is Austin Matthews. Might ring a bell to you, pal. Look at look at the Sabers when they try to do it for Connor McDavid. Oops, yeah, I know. Did not have Connor McDavid. <laughs> I know, I know, but uh, I mean, even still, I, I don't anticipate them being very good. So that might be something that uh, the Leafs and Blackhawks could revisit talks if that's the case. Because remember, there wasn't many names that came out, but there was that report. I want to say it was on Hockey Night in Canada. Um, it was either Elliot Friedman or maybe it was Merrick who talked about how. Marazic, um was garnering interest around the league, but the Leafs were not willing to do anything with the goalie situation midseason. Looking back, massive mistake. Should have definitely moved on from him right then and there if there was anybody looking to bring yep. him in. But, I mean, I'm circling back on all those teams, and if Chicago's one of them and they're still up for it, uh, it's a, it sounds like a pretty good match, and uh, we'll see. But I, I think... You know, you you add three point eight million in cap if you can get that guy off your books, get it done, Kyle. Get it done. Um, a couple other quick notes that we'll get to uh, in just a moment. Here, we'll take one more quick break. But when we return, the blue line is has some question marks. Rasmus Sandin potentially a little bit more of a tricky situation, and I may have potentially a way to figure out how everything could work. And it kind of involves a trade of make Jake Muzzin. I'll tell you about it next. You're listening to Locked On These Podcasts, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome back into the Locked On These Podcast. Mike DiStefano and Dave Morissuti. We are your hosts here at Locked On Leafs. And I was just alluding to the fact that the blue line for Toronto Currently, as it sits, they've got six players under contract. They've got Morgan Riley, TJ Brody, Jake Muzzin, Justin Hall, Timothy Lilligren, and Mark Giordano. Currently unsigned as a restricted free agent is Rasmus Sandin, their first-round pick from a few years ago. Uh, he's been he's been given opportunities over the last couple of seasons to play some meaningful minutes in the NHL. Uh, injuries have kind of 
not allowed him to to really grab hold of a a, a everyday role, I would say, with this team. And going into next season, it's not necessarily the injuries, I suppose, that may hinder his playing time next year now. It's just the fact that there's a logjam on the left side. And, and we've talked about this numerous times in the last couple of weeks, right? You've got Morgan Miley, you've got Jake Muzzin, and you've got um, Mark Giordano. And now, apparently, reports are coming out that Rasmus Sandin may not be as keen to just quickly sign an RFA deal and come and figure it out or compete. He wants an everyday role. He wants a, a legitimate spot on this roster. And the way that it's currently constituted and constructed, I'm I'm not sure that he could be guaranteed that right now. And if that's the case, we might have a bit of a trickier situation on our hands, David. Yeah. Uh, I also, it was also noted in the comments. I can't remember who made the comment in saying my idea of holding, of signing Sandy and then trading him. <laughs> uh, it doesn't work like that. You can't just accept an option and trade the guy. I totally forgot about that because the CBA is weird. So thank you for that reminder. I, I do think, this isn't looking good right now. Like the, like the thing is, is like Sandy, I understand the frustration of how his trajectory has gone. COVID definitely hampered that. But at, at the same time, it's almost like, what do you kind of expect? Right. It's like, it's, it's all about what have you done lately? And unfortunately it hasn't been, there hasn't been enough to really warrant, I'm good enough. I guess a deal that he wants. I, I, I like I, I don't know if it comes down to a deal. It's more so he wants opportunity. And I don't know if the Leafs can offer him the opportunity that he wants. And it's, it's, it's an everyday spot in, in the lineup. And just the way that the roster is constructed, yeah. I just can't quite get, get that right now. There's a couple of things that they can do if they do want to try and bring Sandine back and try and repair the relationship, if it's broken at all, I, again, I don't know if it's broken, but you know, try and, and get him an everyday role or give him every opportunity to get that. And the couple options are, well, you, you got to find a way to trade some people, right? You got to make some moves. And the two guys that come to my head is one, Justin Hall, right? I think if you can move Justin Hall, um, and he signed Sandine. He's immediately part of your six. You flip him to the right side. Not sure if he plays up the lineup, down the lineup, or how you figure that out, but that is one way to get it done. The other way to ensure a spot in the lineup for 82 games if healthy, maybe it's by moving on from Jake Muzzin. And if you move on from Jake Muzzin and you go with, you know, a Riley, Giordano, Sandine trio on the left side, I still think you might be able to be competitive and that might be the route that they could potentially go in. And if you look at what the Tampa Bay lightning just did with Brian McDonough, they moved on from an aging uh, veteran defenseman with a contract that was a little high and had some term on it. And there were suitors for that. I wonder if there's still going to be suitors for Jake Muzzin. I know we kind of looked down on him based on the season that he had, but I don't, necessarily think that Muzzin has negative value. I don't think it would cost much to like, I don't think it would cost the Leafs a sweetener to get rid of him. And there was a report that potentially Columbus 
had interest in McDonough, and if they missed out on him, maybe they would have some interest in a Jake Muzzin. Now, before we get anywhere, I know there's going to be people in the comments section saying Jake Muzzin has a no-trade clause. They can't trade him unless he wants to go somewhere. First of all, it's a modified no-trade clause. It turns into that this year, so it's modified. It's Second no, of all... So it's actually a no-trade clause. What's that? It is not. A, it's a, it does become a modified after next year. Oh, it's next season becomes modified. Never mind. I was looking at the wrong. Oh yeah, I was looking at the wrong year. My bad. But I'll say I this saved you from that comment. <laughs> I know, right? So you did save me from the comment. But I will say this: we've seen time and time again, time and time again, where teams essentially push guys out where they feel unwanted and they just want to go and play elsewhere. Right. And if they get to that situation with maybe Jake Muzzin, perhaps, you know, that, that is a situation that could arise. And if they have interest and they want to bring him in, maybe there could be some sort of conversation. Now, again, Muzzin does have say in where he goes and you can make the argument Nashville, much easier place to waive your no trade clause like McDonough did than a spot like Columbus. But ultimately, I think that if the Leafs really want to move on from Jake Muzzin, typically the team gets their way. We've seen it happen time and time and time again. I, it doesn't even need to be Columbus. I, I think you can find other area, other teams that would be interested in a, in a Jake Muzzin. Like there, oh. I think you can find, like I've heard, we've mentioned that Seattle could be a team that's very aggressive at the deadline uh, at, in free, uh, not just free agency, but they would probably take a Jake Muzzin off the Leafs' hands. Like there, there are teams I think that you can move Jake Muzzin to. It's just a matter of trying to sell that to Jake Muzzin. Um, and look, if Jake Muzzin gets a hint that he's not wanted as a veteran, generally they'll be like, "All right, where do we want to do this?" Right? Like, where where are you thinking? What teams want me? And then they'll make it all work. Like veterans are not just going to be like, ah screw your desire to move me out. I'm just going to stick it to you and stay. It's right. not how it usually works. It's not, we're not talking about, I'd say it, it's not like the NBA. <laughs> like yeah. It's not like the NFL where if a player doesn't get moved, he's just like, yeah, no, I'm just not going to play. I'm just not going to report. Like these guys want to play and Jake Muzzin only has a you know, certain amount of years left. I would say considering all the injuries that he has to play, He's going to want to play and make as much as you know he can. And I don't think it's going to be a contender that will want him, unfortunately. Maybe there is one that sees a, a fit, but I do think there this has to be a this has to be a conversation that Kyle Dubas has to have with Jacob Muzzin and, and kind of realistically see where does he does he want to win with the Leafs? Can they make it work? Or if Kyle Dubas is just flat out just he's like, it's just not going to work. We the numbers don't work. Have that honest conversation with Jake Muzzin. And just of note, a team bringing him in, um, it only if they do it after the league year starts, which I guess is July 13th this year, that signing bonus gets paid out on July 13th. So on that day or after that day, uh, he would only be owed $6 million over the next two seasons but at a $5.6 million cap hit, which is, I guess, 11 million, uh, 11 and change million dollars in cap. And you're only actually spending 6 million. So it's one of those contracts too, that 
you know, you can bring in and it, it helps with your cap hit if you're trying to get to the floor. But at the same time, it's cheaper than what the cap hit is. Um, and, and that's also attractive to, to some teams. And look, I think he's a, a guy who may still have some tread on the tires, but I think Toronto's in a situation where they just need to create some cap space because they got holes in a lot of different areas. And if it, they're in a situation where they got to decide between Sandine and Muzzin, maybe they decide to go Sandine and then trade Muzzin and use that cap to go and fill in other holes in other areas on the team and sign Sandine to a more team-friendly deal. Um, and potentially he grows into being that top four defenseman that they severely hope that he turns into. I don't know if that's the route that I want to go. I'm just bringing it bringing it up as, as an option at the very least um, as a way to try and help kind of maneuver this whole Rasmus Sandine situation if he truly is uh, thinking about you know, holding out until he gets a better opportunity or his promised opportunity in games to play in Toronto and a trade of either a Muzzin or, or Justin Hall, who has a modified no-trade clause himself. Actually, I just remembered that by looking on the cat-friendly page, mm -hmm. um, along with also Peter Morazic, uh, for whatever reason. We'll not go further into that. But we'll see what happens. We'll see. Um, there is just, uh, we're what, 48 hours from the NHL draft. So plenty of stuff could happen between now and then. And then free agency kicks in next Wednesday. So lots of, lots of fun. Lots of fun to be had over the next 10 days or so. Colin White was also bought out today, Dave. I don't know if you saw that. Yes, I did. Tomorrow, I think I'm going to make a case for why I believe he might be a sneaky good free agent addition one of those bio candidates in the same vein um you know as like a nick ritchie or i guess you know these guys weren't necessarily bio. <laughs> what's yeah, that I was, I was gonna say maybe don't include nick ritchie in well that. he wasn't a bio candidate but uh you know evander kane was a bio candidate yeah. i suppose that turned out to to work out well for for them right um plenty of other guys who have worked out yeah i guess nick ritchie was more of the RFA who was left untendered. That was kind of the where I was going. Andre Braden Holby was a buyout. Like it was a buyout. Braden Holby was a buyout last year. Denver. Yeah, yeah, he was a buyout last year. Ryan, Ryan Suter, Zach Parise. I mean, Parise. these are yeah. There's there's a bunch of guys who've gone on to to be decent after a buyout, and maybe they can have a reclamation project and a young 25 year old. Center who can also play on the wing, play a little bit of a two-way game. Potentially, Colin White's an option, but I'll go. We'll dig a little deeper into that possible situation in tomorrow's show. But that's gonna do it for us today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked On Leafs podcast on all podcast platforms to receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow Dave at D underscore Morissuti. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. Go ahead, leave a comment, a like, and subscribe to us on YouTube. We'll be back with another episode tomorrow. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked On Leafs.